Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Recorded live in the USA and covering the whole wide world. Right on! This is the Bob Seska Show. Presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, June 9, 2021, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, what's up? My name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello. Day 141 of the Biden-Harris administration, 516 days until the 22 midterms. Find me on Instagram at TheBobSeska and on Twitter at BobSeska underscore go. Today, I thought we'd take a short break from politics to talk about the resurgence in vinyl record albums. So my guests today are Kevin Smokler and Christopher Boone, the co-directors of a brand new documentary called Vinyl Nation, vinylnationfilm.com. We're going to talk about what killed vinyl and what's causing the resurgence in vinyl, and especially how enthusiasm for the old technology is bringing people together in the age of digital downloads and streaming content. And mark your calendars, Vinyl Nation will be available on Blu-ray and DVD exclusively on Record Store Day. Email info at VinylNationFilm.com for record store locations near you. Meanwhile, if you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe to our bonus content at Patreon.com slash Show. Okay, let's talk record albums with directors Kevin Smokler and Christopher Boone. Two of the very first record albums I ever owned uh, were Free to Be You and Me and the audio storybook version of Star Wars. I grew up in the 70s and 80s, so... (laughs) Uh, you know what? Nice. I can still tell you where the big skips were on all of those records. There was one on the Star Wars record. I can still remember it like I'm listening to it right now. The narrator said, a long time ago in a galaxy far, a great adventure took place. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, far where? Tell me. Yeah. Well, those storybook records were all we had before VCRs existed, right? So you could kind of experience those things uh, through vinyl. So uh, Chris and, and Kevin, how did this project come together? Was it both of you kind of conceiving it or did one of you have the spark of the idea and said, you know what, let's dive into this? Yeah, this is Kevin. Uh, the idea was originally mine and it was just curiosity. I had I had gotten into records right when the comeback began in 2007, 2008, and that was completely by accident. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not a trend spotter and I can't predict the future or see around corners. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
that was a coincidence. And I had been in back into records at that point. Um, we, we come from about the same time in history as you, Bob. I think Chris and I both had those like orange and white Fisher price record players that oh, were yeah. kind of like, kind of like a, a, about the size of a block you could step on, you know, our <laughs> stepping stool or something like that. <laughs> right. And, um, but generally we were of the, you know, the Sony Walkman generation. So mm. uh, records were on their way out when we came along. So both Chris and I are like new, new record people as grown ups. Yeah. Um, but when we started talking about making this documentary vinyl nation, it was 10 years into the comeback of records. Right. So like there was no story to be told like, Hey, why is this thing happening? Because that had been like <laughs> debated for a decade at that point. Sure. So when Chris and I started talking, it was more like, what does this mean? What does it mean that an old technology is becoming new again? And what does it say about people who love records and our relationship with music? Mm -hmm. Chris, I always forget something. Where, where, where does the story go from there? <laughs> no, I mean, that, that, that's, that's a great summary of it. Um, and like, I always say that when Kevin brought the idea to me, I was looking for my next project. And um, like Kevin said, I, had also gotten into records as an adult. Like I, I worked in a record store right after college, but by then, like it was all CDs. Like we had a yeah. wall of cassettes, but it was just all CDs at that point in time. We didn't, we didn't have a single record in the store. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it wasn't until about like 2014 where my wife and I got a turntable. But again, my interest was really sparked, not because I had gotten back into records again, but that my daughter, who's now 17, like she got her first turntable, I think when we, it was like when she was 13 and um, you know, she, she never had CDs. She definitely mm. never had cassettes. Like, so she's always had music, you know, iTunes streaming on Spotify and now records. Yeah. And, and just why are these young people who have, who have never owned music in a physical format being drawn to vinyl records? So I, I thought, okay, that's really intriguing. And we knew that's just kind of one facet of the story. And so that sent us down a whole road of like, well, what does it mean for the teenagers? What does it mean for parents who are sharing vinyl with their kids? What does it mean for longtime collectors that the resurgence is coming back? You know, the, the kids in their 20s and 30s that are discovering it for the first time. It just mm -hmm. uh, All those things were interesting to us. Um, and again, like Kevin said, like we wanted to figure out well, what does it mean? Of course, after we shot all the footage, we realized we actually had a totally different story on our hands. <laughs> oh, interesting. Can you say what, without spoilers in terms of uh, some of the conclusions you draw, what led you down this different path as you're exploring this topic? So Kevin, I'll let you take this one. At the very, at the very beginning, like when, you know, when Chris and I were pitching investors and planning, planning our shoot and stuff like that, it was mm -hmm. like, we sort of knew what we wanted to say. We were like, oh, well, the idea here is that records are coming back in part because young people are into them again and, and people feel more included in the process of being record people. You know, it's not the high fidelity era anymore where records were something that like weirdos were into and every, and they hated everybody else who wasn't mm -hmm. like them. Um, and we figured like, that's the movie. And then we shot the movie and then we were in post-production and our post-production guys were like, you know, like the movie is never what you think it's going to be when you make a documentary, especially because you can't script out a documentary. Um, so as we're editing, the movie will become something different. And we're like, well, who the hell are you kidding? Like, we know what movie we made. Let them have gone out and spent someone else's money and like, and spent all this time and effort doing it if we didn't know what movie we were made. And they were like, you just wait. And yeah, sure yeah. enough, like, like while we were putting the movie together, it became clear to us that we were making a movie about human connection. Mm -hmm. And records were a way that people not only 
have developed a soul connection to music, but to each other. Yeah. And we didn't, we, we talked to 50 people for this film, Vinyl Nation. We didn't talk to one person who was like, you know what the great thing about is about records is they got this thing called the internet and the U.S. Postal Service and you can just like <laughs> mail them to your house and you yeah. can sit there like a hermit and not speak to anybody. And we're <laughs> like, no, that, that wasn't anybody we talked to. Like everybody was like, the cool thing about records is like, bonding and forming relationships with other record people and other people who love to experience music in this way. So it became clear that Vinyl Nation was really like the record was a black plastic metaphor for human connection. I see. So what we're talking about is a community of vinyl enthusiasts connecting together. Is there something about the format itself that facilitated those connections? Is there something that's uh, particularly unique about the fact that uh, people are joining together out of their love of this formerly archaic, but now resurging uh, audio format. I would say that, you know, people are attracted to look for records in their local record store. I mean, one of the mm-hmm. things that's so great about records is the adventure of the hunt. You know, it's, it's oh, yeah. digging through the bins yeah. to find a record that you've been looking for, but, you know, you, 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 it just isn't just readily available wherever you go. And so if you ever have the opportunity to stop into a record store, like every time you probably have a list in the back of your head, of like, well, these are the records I'm definitely looking for. And course along the way you discover a bunch that you weren't looking for but you definitely love to have in your collection and because of that it's it becomes a social event you're going physically into a store to look for records and you're bumping into other people that are into this same thing that you're into and you know you're just curious so you look over the racks and you see what they're pulling out of the bins <laughs> and all of a sudden you could strike up a conversation but you also look around and you realize that actually now like the people that are looking for records are is everyone it's it's all races it's all ages it's Mm -hmm. all genders um and i think that is is kind of fascinating and and people want to talk about music and they want to talk specifically about records like what about this record is special to them so those conversations can happen at the record store that can happen at the record shows you can go to people's houses you can look at their record collections it's on display like what they are into are these big, beautiful 12 by 12, mm. many of them gatefold objects that you can look at and see and go, oh, okay. I, I, so, this tells me something about you that I might not have known before. Yeah. And most people are cool with you looking at their record collections. Not everyone, but mo- <laughs> most people are. And yeah. And so again, I think that that is what, uh, you know, makes it really special and, 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 and brings people together over this particular format. It doesn't cassettes not so much for Mm -hmm. sure cds maybe a little bit but then there's just still the magic of records i think about putting on your turntable and dropping the needle and being able to listen to to that record that's Mm -hmm. also special but again going and looking for the records again makes you bump into other people that you are interested in doing this absolutely and you know what there's a clip in the movie where I, i forget who exactly says this but they never felt a sense of accomplishment finding an mp3 online but you find a rare uh, record in a record store somewhere and you feel like you've accomplished something like, oh, my God, I can't believe all this searching. And now I finally found it. Boy, that feels really good. And that's, uh, I think, one of the biggest takeaways uh, from the movie in terms of that human experience. Right. And there's something else that uh, always intrigued me about vinyl insofar as 
how simple it is. The the simple you were talking about just dropping the needle onto the uh, the record and hearing some of the pops and everything. And uh, there's something that you can see. You can you know exactly by looking at it how the sound is being produced. Rather than ones and zeros, these are grooves in a vinyl platter that is being picked up by a needle and then going out to speakers. It's there's a simplicity about it, isn't there? Yeah, and the thing about it though is it's still magical. Like uh, it's so funny to me that you know uh, everyone in my daughter's generation asks no questions about the iPhones that are in their pockets. Yeah, they work, and and it is truly ridiculous the technology that is behind what makes their iPhones work. But they just totally take that for granted. But mm-hmm. you put a record, they put a record on a turntable, or you do it for them, and you put the needle down, and then music comes out. That like totally blows their mind. And what really blows their mind is something that I actually did by accident the other. day. Day, I, I forgot to turn on the receiver and I dropped the needle on the record and I walked away yeah. and it was such a well-made record that it was still kind of blaring out of the needle itself. It yeah. just sounded tin, tinny. And I was like, wait, what's going on? Oh God, I didn't even turn on the receiver. So I had to go back, but just the amount of music that was coming out just from that needle was bananas. And yeah, yeah. it's just, it's just vibrations uh, through that channel. But that, that, is magical. And the fact that records are essentially the same, they've been produced the same way that we produced them like 80 years ago, Mm -hmm. pretty much. Um, and yet they still sound as good as they do, uh, is, is, is truly remarkable. Yeah. There's something that's kind of miraculous about it. While simple, the process of seeing how it actually produces the sound is kind of miraculous to me. Like, for example, the first time I truly appreciated vinyl as a format was when, I don't know, I must've been eight years old or something like that. I made my own record player out of a, just a sewing needle and a cone of loose leaf paper. And I scotch taped the needle to the, to the cone and then, uh, you know, put a record on the turntable and then just dropped that sewing needle with the paper cone onto it of course ruined the record a little bit but it produced the sound it was like i was playing with an old victrola or something like that and you know it was just it was completely inconceivable to me that the grooves on a record could somehow produce complex sounds not just one thing one instrument but it was the whole band it was the whole orchestra uh, that, you know, this needle and a piece of paper could reveal all of that was just amazing to me. And maybe that's something that uh, kids are discovering now, younger people are discovering, is kind of the miracle of, of vinyl at the same time, right? Definitely. I mean, I think what we discovered is, while we were making this, it is, is that it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that the iPhone drops in 2007, right at the point in time that records also start to make their resurgence, right? Mm-hmm. It's this moment in time, we don't really get into this too, in, really too much into the film, but it's a moment in time where, okay, now your iPod and your phone have merged. And in theory, in your pocket, you have access to all of the music that you want to bring with you. And then Spotify hits our shores in about 2011. So it really feels like, oh my gosh, I have total access to, to every song ever, which is not true. It just feels yeah. that way. Right. And and because of that, people just start to think like, I'm missing something. Like I'm, you're, you're losing, you don't have that connection so much to music anymore. I know I felt that way. Um, and so 
a record brings you back to that connection with the music, with the artist. Also, I, I personally prefer listening to a whole album as opposed to an individual song. Right. And so a record, you know, I have to stop. I have to pay attention. I have to figure out when it's time to flip the record. I listen to records when I cook yeah. uh, for my family and I pay way more attention to the record than I do to the meal that I'm making. <laughs> um, so I, I know when I got to flip the record and, yeah, you yeah. know, the stovetop can, can certainly wait. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think when we were starting to get disconnected from physical media is actually when people realize, wait a minute, um, I actually want this again, or, or I want it even for the first time. And, and something's been taken away from me for convenience sake, maybe. And I, and I didn't even realize it. Yeah, um, yeah. And again, records kind of speak to that. It, and it helps though, that they are big and they can shout at you with these beautiful, this beautiful artwork. Mm. And again, I thought this was apocryphal, but I, but kids really do buy records before they have record players, before they have turntables and yeah. they put them up on their walls and on their shelves and say, I love this band so much. When I went to see them in concert, I bought the record at the merch table, not a t-shirt and I can't <laughs> yeah. even play it. Yeah. And then, you know, when you get five, 10 records, you kind of think maybe, maybe I should get a turntable. So. <laughs> right, right, right. In fact, I own dozens of vinyl record albums and several of them are in frames on my wall. I do not own a turntable presently. I did mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, but I moved and it got broken and so whatever. But yeah, that seems to be a thing too. And I've designed a few album covers professionally. I did a couple of covers for Yes, in fact, which is a daunt a whole mm. other story, a whole other immensely daunting and stressful story. <laughs> uh, oh, so, sure. But yeah. su suffice to say, I'm a big fan of that 12-inch vinyl format, if for no other reason but the artwork. I mean, my God. Today, all of that art is still created, but it's not as appreciated as, as it was back in the day. There was this entire experience about buying the record, listening to it for the first time while you're pouring over the artwork and the liner notes. And I, I don't know if <laughs> this makes any sense, but with vinyl, size matters. Yeah, absolutely. Like records are super fun in yeah. that way. Like like the cover is big and beautiful. The, the the record, like if it's black, is like the size of your face and looks like staring into a night sky. You yeah. know, like if it's if it's if it's colored vinyl, you know, uh, that's that's fun in its own way. I Chris and I have this joke. Like if you're gonna buy Miles Davis kind of blue, mm. I don't care what kind of audio file you have. What color should that vinyl be? Like like yeah, yeah it's <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> It's just, and, and then there's inserts, you know, there's posters and Alice Cooper's billion dollar baby has a billion, a fake billion dollar bill in the inside and like yep. all sorts of fun stuff like that. Like a record is like a musical box of Cracker Jacks. Like there's, there's always, there's often a prize in there too. Um, and, and that was, I mean, Chris, maybe you can talk about it. That was, that was part of the philosophy that went into like releasing this DVD for the movie. Um, it was pretty clear to both of us that like, we weren't going to be able to throw this thing in a plastic box and, you know, put a replica of the poster on the front and call it a day like yeah. not not after what we said oh yeah for 92 yeah. minutes in this movie about vinyl the, the, pack yeah, the packaging for the blu-ray and the dvd is awesome by the way i uh, just oh, such a you. such a great idea to do it in that 12 inch mm -hmm. format yeah, we actually, we kind of got lucky because um, uh, Ingram Entertainment, who's a, a distributor uh, to record stores and and also big chains and stuff like that, you know, reached out to us kind of early in our whole adventure of releasing our film. And so we, uh, Steve Harkins there said, you know, I, I just love your movie. And if you guys need help 
getting it out into the world when you put it out on Blu-ray or DVD, like let us know. And because they have relationships with all the independent record stores, so like we we do re- releases for Record Store Day all the time. Like mm. we, we are an official sponsor and a partner of that. So if you guys wanted to do something for Record Store Day, like we can we can walk you through that. So that was kind of a, a, a given for a while. And so we've had this interesting run with the film with a virtual cinema release. And now we're doing festivals, which is a little bit backwards, but here comes Record Store Day day again this even though it's usually in april now it's split between june and july like this is the first time where it feels like since the pandemic like this is a little bit closer to normal i think many more people are going to be able to go out to their favorite record store and actually participate in record store day like they might get in line and still have to space out a little bit but i think a lot of people are physically going to show up so we wanted to be a part of that and we were ready to put our film out in some way so yeah we want to say okay it's a record store day so let's do something exclusive for record stores let's do a limited release just like any record store day release um but originally we were just kind of trying to figure out what the packaging should be and then it started to become a no-brainer of well why don't we just make it look like a record and yeah. and uh ingram ingram put us in touch with a to z media and they're like we can kind of do whatever you want mm-hmm. so just tell us um and so we went back and forth with them a couple of different um prototypes and landed on the one that we did but it was it always kind of came back to make it look like a record. So a 12 by 12, well, if it's going to be a 12 by 12, let's make it a gatefold. Like if it's going to be a special, let's use foil stamping for the title on the front, you know, mm-hmm. right? If it's going to be a limited release, why not hand number every single one of them? You know, it's like yeah. just every time it's like, oh, what about this? What about this? And it's like, oh, well, let's put a promo sticker on it. And, um, you know, and and it, it, it gets to the point of like, it's really just so that not only do we get the movie out there, but do it in just a really fun way where uh, nobody's making a ton of money on this, but it's going to be a really cool way to to own this record. And it's going to be available through record stores exclusively, uh, you know, on record store day. And there's this, there's this window of time where this is the only way you can own the movie. Like you can't download it yet. You can't rent it online. It's, it's, this is the way you can own it. And, uh, Hopefully later on, there'll be a different way to do it. But this is special for the people that have been with us like the whole time. And we know they're record levels, lovers. So we want them to own it in this special special packaging. And when we showed it to our fans, naturally, they got really excited. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I think I just want people to want to own it just because of the way it looks. <laughs> Did you feel a concern at all because you were releasing it in physical form initially and not in streaming form that you may miss some audience here or there? Like, uh, there's, we're all used to going to Netflix and watching the latest uh, documentary or, uh, you know, Amazon Prime or something like that. Um, whereas you're clearly not releasing the movie in that format yet. And going down this physical copy route, which is immense. But do you feel like you're taking a bit of a chance with that? Well, I'll start first. And then, Kevin, I'd love to get your take. I think by limiting it to a thousand copies, uh, again, makes it so that it's not this huge, huge release. And because it's a record store day release, um, there's a bit of a hunt involved with finding our our version, this version of our movie. Mm -hmm. Like you have to tell your favorite record store that you want them to have it on record store day, but they can't set it aside for you. It's record store day rules apply. Like you still have to get in line and get your copy of it. And you may find out that it's not there. So then, so then again, you're still on the hunt and it's just like looking for a record that you want that may not be in your local record store. So Kevin and I are going to do whatever we can to kind of help put people together. If there are copies still floating around Mm -hmm. um, at certain stores to kind of make that match. Um, But I still think it's, it's a game and, and, and I think that's part of the fun of it. And I think our audience is still 
bigger than who's even seen the film yet. So sure, there could be a little bit of danger in that, but I think that's also part of the fun. And then we'll do a more traditional streaming download uh, release. Mm -hmm. And and I still think the film has a lot of legs. Kevin, what what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, we're definitely excited for people to go to their local record store this weekend to celebrate record store day and to get our DVD and any one of a thousand other things that are going to be really exciting about record store day. Um, We're also of the belief that uh, record store day has developed a bad reputation for being like an endless queuing up in line for a few, (laughs) for a few select products that it, that, that it's become the equivalent of like the musical equivalent of like waiting in a bread line during the depression. (laughs) And like, we don't want, and we don't want folks to have that experience either. So Mm -hmm. if that's not the way you like to celebrate your local record store, go in the afternoon drop by and just say thank you for everything record store day record stores do for us all year long yep. buy used stuff buy something you've been thinking about for a while check and see if our dvd is in at that point and and come monday morning we'll have a much better idea of what record stores still have copies of our dvd and chris and i'll be around to make sure to, to to make sure um you find the you find the right store that can send you that you can order one from oh yeah uh, i was just going to ask that about is there a listing of uh, participating stores on the website so Record Store Day has a listing of participating stores all oh, over gotcha. the country at okay. recordstoreday.com slash stores. Um, we don't have access to the stores that have ordered from our distributors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, come Monday, if you get in touch with us at info at vinylnationfilm.com, we'll be more than happy to uh, to pair you up with a record store that can there send you, you the movie. We understand that may, everybody may not be able to get to a record store this weekend. Okay, we'll get back to our conversation with Kevin and Chris here in just one second. But first, there's so much going on in the world that can make it difficult for us to relax and decompress. We're all freaking out. Just scroll through Twitter and you can see why. But now, don't worry, I've got a solution for you. Now there are CBD gummies called Sunday Scaries and they really, really work. So if you're looking for a way to decompress, Sunday Scaries can help. Visit sundayscaries.com, use the promo code SEXYLIBERAL, all one word at checkout, to get 25% off your order. That's 25% off at sundayscaries.com with the promo code SEXYLIBERAL. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. These products are not for use or sale by persons under the age of 18 years old. Again, that's 25% off. Use the promo code SEXYLIBERAL at sundayscaries.com. Thank you. Well, if you ever catch yourself thinking when looking in the mirror, I wish my under-eye bags would just go away. You're not alone. Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of American men and women. Until now, introducing my new favorite, the new GenuCell Serum with plant stem cell technology from Chamonix. Susan from New Jersey wrote me, I've been using GenuCell for a couple months. The puffiness around my eyes is gone. Even the crow's feet and small lines have disappeared and haven't come back. I love this product. I use it under my eyes, around the cheekbones, and on my eyelids. With its instant effects, Chamonix says you'll see results in the first 12 hours or your money back. They guarantee it. Order now and save big on Genucel's risk-free introductory offer. Go to lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L. For an instant 10% off your order, order now. You'll get the amazing Genucel XV face cream when you order the exclusive Genucel most popular package at checkout. That's love, G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Stephanie. Lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. The Bob Seska Show. Let's get into what killed uh, vinyl in its first run. And there's lots of 
opinions along these lines. But And many of us are generally familiar with the slow demise of vinyl, beginning with the uh, emergence of the cassette, right? the small portable cassette. Was it always about technology, improving sound quality and portability, or was there something else that drove the migration away from vinyl that maybe most people aren't aware of? I think there's two reasons. Uh, in addition to the ones you cited, Bob, I think I think I think sound quality and portability were a big reason for mm. vinyl's demise. I think the nationalization of record store chains was a big deal uh, because with cassettes and later CDs, you could fit more product in the same amount of square footage. Oh, okay. And I think I think when vinyl's demise began in the early 1980s, or maybe the mid 1980s, uh, you were also talking about sort of a brand new generation of music fans with mm -hmm. uh, that were really signaled by the coming of MTV, again the nationalization of record stores, uh, and the nationalization of commercial radio too. This is this is the heyday of American Top 40, of course. Yeah. Um, and so I remember very distinctly being of that generation and feeling like records belong to my parents uh, <laughs> and cassettes and CDs belong to me. Yeah. And my parents had lots and lots of records, but they felt, even though they listened to them frequently, the technology felt old and dusty to me and not mine. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and it's funny because I, my experience was uh, I didn't really care. I just... <laughs> I saw what was happening with uh, cassettes and I said, well, these are smaller and I don't have to worry about needles. So this is going to be easier to use. It was just for me at that point in my life, you know, the early eighties, I was still a kid. It was cassettes. But the thing with cassettes is there was a huge dip in the audio quality. There was more hiss. Uh, the cassettes, I think were less durable. I mean, we all remember taking a pencil and rewinding, uh, an audio cassette is anyone making the argument that cassettes sound better than vinyl or in any way shape or form because it seems like uh that was the big downside with cassettes yes you could take them anywhere but they sounded like crap uh well, actually <laughs> in our film uh john vanderslice uh has an interesting take on that I, I don't think he's arguing that cassettes sound better than records as a whole mm -hmm. but he does talk about how he, he's annoyed that people think that records no matter what will sound better than cassettes and he points out that like if you produce uh an album really well and you master it really well and and then you decide to put it out on cassette but you just do a good you you find the right place to do it they're like a really well-made cassette he'll point out sounds way better than a terribly recorded, terribly mastered record, you mm -hmm. know? So just because it's on vinyl doesn't sound better. But I think going back to what you were saying earlier, Bob, about like the, when, when cassettes kind of start to take over, you know, uh, in terms of sound quality, you know, I know as a 10 year old, when I got my first cassette, Julie Lewis and the news sports, I wasn't comparing it to a record and I didn't, <laughs> think it sounded terrible plus i had a boom box and i wanted yeah. something to play on that boom box and so uh like cassettes just made sense and like kevin you've been saying like then a walkman was like the next gift it was natural and cassettes were cheaper they were they were cheaper to buy yeah and um and you know it was easier to collect them in, in my room in my in my shared bedroom with my brother like i didn't need a whole shelving space i literally stacked all my cassettes up in like a huge 
tower that was mm. destined to fall if I like shook my my nightstand at any point in time, um, and then quickly would get little, little case logic uh, things to store them in. But it was a lot easier to bring them on, you know, family vacations yes. and listen on my Walkman in the car. And I I was just never comparing them, but it was a fast jump over to CDs, and we were told, you know, by the advertisements that CDs absolutely sound better because they're digital and anything digital we all know must be better and you know a laser shoots and hits the disc lasers (laughs) are way better than needles aren't they and it was like yeah duh like i'm 13 years old and i know lasers are better than needles so yeah i'm on board for this and um and, and, you know, this is an easy sell. And I was lucky enough to be the first of, of the, the, my brothers to get a, a disc man. And I was the youngest in the family and boy, mm. that made them really jealous. So also made CDs better for that reason. Yeah. Um, and, and then it was just kind of, it was just natural. I think at that point in time that it was, uh, the record labels realized they could resell catalogs. Now they started doing it with cassettes. Now mm-hmm. they could do it all over again with CDs. And this was the model. This is great. Yeah. Let's just resell everyone, their collections in a new format. And let's just, just, just keep on pushing it. And then people are like, yeah, I don't want my records anymore. And they just started unloading them. And we talk about that in the film of just like people are just saying, I'm tired of my records. And then some of those same people being really regretful that they gave away their entire collection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, for my generation, Generation X, we were starting to get our driver's licenses right around the time when you had vinyl, you had cassettes, and you had CDs all being sold at the same time. In fact, one of my first jobs was in the, uh, it was called the Sight and Sound Department at Bradley's Department Store in Northern Virginia. And so mm-hmm. I, we were selling all of those things. But cassettes were the common denominator of all of those things. And I'll tell you why, because you could take your record albums and dump them onto a cassette and play them in the car, or you could take your CDs and dump them onto a cassette and play them in the car. Playing your own music in the car was a big deal. And I think that carried cassettes for a longer lifetime than they would have otherwise had. The fact that you could play a cassette in your car for relatively an inexpensive price. Like you get a cassette uh, car stereo for relatively cheap. And so that was a, a huge advantage. And I wonder if that artificially extended the life of the audio cassette industry uh, for longer than it actually would have otherwise survived. I think what, what you're getting at, Bob, is, is we, you can't get around this idea that no matter how romantic we are about any one particular music format, be it vinyl or cassettes or CDs or streaming, uh, it not only has its limitations as a technology, but it also contains with it all of these reasons we we like it or don't like it that have nothing to do with music. Yeah, right. Like uh, that have nothing actually to do with music, you know, uh, we made a movie about records. We obviously love records. And uh, and we also talk a lot in Vinyl Nation about how records are a, are, are a giant pain in the rear, you know? Like, mm. <laughs> like if you, you got to move them around, you got to, you got to have plenty of storage space for them. God forbid you live in a hot climate and, and, and you don't have good air conditioning, you know? Mm. I mean, I mean, it's like running, it's like running a, a little mini library of Congress if you're yeah. a record person. And, um, and so I think like, music technologies come in and out for all sorts of reasons, just based on our behaviors with music and how we, and how we like to act uh, and, and, and physically relate to music. Um, but we, we make it, we make it pretty clear in our movie vinyl nation that, that while we made this movie about records and what's great about them, uh, we, we're not making an argument that, that records are superior 
to uh, to these other formats. We're probably just, I don't know, Chris, we're probably just saying they're more fun. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Yeah, I mean, I think so. And, and we have a whole segment on, you know, does vinyl sound better? And... You, Spoiler alert, we don't give you an answer. Yeah, well, I, I guess <laughs> we, we give you a myriad of opinions. <laughs> and um, and it's so fa- fascinating because we are talking to people about vinyl records. And mm-hmm. so it is a given that all basically everyone that we're talking to loves records. Yeah. And yet they all have a variety of opinions yeah, about that yeah. particular question, um, including the follow-up question, sound better than what? <laughs> um, so it's just one of those things that we knew we had to ask because whenever I was telling people that we were just in pre-production researching this project, that was the first question I, I was asked by people who didn't have turntables and didn't listen to records. They would just say, well, I've heard like, but does vinyl really sound better? So I was like, okay, well, we have to ask this question in the film and just mm. see what happens. So, uh, yeah, like I agree with you, Kevin. We're we're not saying records are better. Um, we're just saying that records are a hell of a lot of fun, um, and it's just really an enjoyable way to both listen to music and also collect music uh, because you tend to meet other people, as we've been saying before, who are into the thing that you are into. And that's that was a common theme that kept coming up in our interviews in our film. Yeah, I guess what I'm also saying too is that all of these various audio formats have their own charm and their own selling points. Uh, I, I tend to find that vinyl has more selling points. <laughs> I mean, other than its lack of portability, and that's seems to be the main drawback of owning vinyl, right? Uh, You have a much more difficult time playing a vinyl record album in your car, Uh, whereas cassettes, to me, always inferior to the other two formats, the older format of vinyl, the newer format of CDs, and certainly the much newer format of of digital audio. But the thing with cassettes is they were portable right at the time when a bunch of us were getting our driver's license and wanting to listen to uh, mixtapes and things like that that you couldn't necessarily do with vinyl. You couldn't make your own vinyl mixtape. That was impossible. So, uh, yeah, there were drawbacks, but at the same time, the advantages, as far as I'm concerned, far outweighed those drawbacks. And, you know, um, in the early, well, I would say the late 90s, in fact, around 98, 99, I was one of the early adopters of Napster. So, in a way, I was <laughs> I was right on board with that. As soon as Napster came out, I heard about it. I said, I have to get that. Uh, I have to get that app on my computer. I have to do this. I have to be part of this because there's so much music that I miss having and I don't feel like scouring the countryside to find old records or cassettes of this stuff. Boy, it'd be great if I could just download it. But I feel partly responsible for the death of those older physical media formats. And ultimately, is it what we're talking about here, the... I guess part of the charm of this this uh, comeback of vinyl is the idea, the the backlash to streaming, the backlash to digital, is the physical media 
having it in your hand and owning it. And that is a big fucking deal, right? I think that's really, as if looking in from the outside, it seems like that's really driving the appeal of vinyl, the resurgence of vinyl. Am I way off base on that? No, you're not. And that is a huge part of what we were getting at in our movie, Vinyl Nation, definitely. Um, we made sure to photograph everybody we interviewed in physical space, mm-hmm. uh, often surrounded by objects that were important to them because it was clear we were making a movie about a real physical thing you could touch. Yeah. Uh, so nobody is shot against a blank wall or a green screen or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also It was also pretty clear to us that... Um, that vinyl does not the the comeback of vinyl which is 15 years now and still going strong does not replace what came before right it in, in, in fact works in conjunction with what came before um most people we know who like records and most like records are not people who disavow streaming out of hand mm-hmm. uh they're people who are like streaming is great it's a way to audition what you're going to buy on vinyl later um and uh and we, we agree with that. You know, we, we think streaming is like is like the neighborhood pusher that's like, here, first sample's free and you can go check it out. And then and then if you want to buy a bump, you go get vinyl. Um, so uh, I think and we make this point in the movie, not not the stupid drug dealer analogy I just made, but we do make the point in the movie that um, that streaming comes along at about the same time the comeback of records happens. And so the two actually coexist quite nicely actually and are not in fierce competition with each other and and one of the one of the side benefits i think chris would agree of doing this movie is we got to put aside this idea that people seem to get you know once they cross like the age of 30 into adulthood that like when things change it means everything that came before has been hopelessly obliterated and wiped off the historical record and yeah. uh, never to return uh, not true mm-hmm. uh, uh records records only being the most obvious one but like records work with streaming and and you know writing in notebooks works with works with sending email and and these things these things actually actually live like like siblings fighting mm-hmm. siblings sometime but the, but they do but they often coexist and, and that was one of the that was one of the really nice discoveries of making a documentary about an old technology being new again like vinyl records yeah and that's the irony of it is that i think vinyl the resurgence of vinyl is partly due to the existence of streaming audio digital audio and the internet i i think without those things you may not even have it. So it's kind of a reversal of the old trend where whatever the new technology is, it replaces the old technology. But now the new technology is actually giving way to the old technology again. That's just a fascinating turnaround, isn't it? I, I, I definitely agree with that. And, and what I think is interesting is uh, people who really love the music from their favorite artist, mm-hmm. um, sure, they listen to a ton on streaming, um, but they want to own it yeah. like and 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 buying a record is like the ultimate way of owning it like we we tell a story in our film um about how urban outfitters uh is is a big part of the resurgence of vinyl records and has really helped helps get a lot of young people into vinyl records along with crossley turntables uh, and becky wilson from urban outfitters talks about the moment where urban outfitters released britney spears debut album Baby One More Time on vinyl, which had never been available on vinyl because it comes out in the late 90s when nobody's making records anymore, except if you're making 12-inch singles for DJs. Um, and her fans 
had to have that album. And I'm sure most of them did not have turntables. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it was like, I am such a big fan that I have to own Britney this way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not making fun of those people. I'm just saying it's like, if you are, if you are, you know, if you live and breathe and bleed that artist, you're going to get on board any way you can to show that, that ultimate fandom. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I, we see it now with, you know, contemporary artists where um, they really do put a lot of thought into their physical releases because they know their, their diehard fans are going to want to go out there and buy it. Do I think folklore had to come out in eight different color versions of vinyl? Mm -hmm. I don't know, (laughs) but it is a great album. And I will admit I just bought it on vinyl and it's on its way to my house. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, you know, I don't think it had to come into that, 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 that many versions, but Taylor Swift knows that Taylor Swift nation is going to clamor to get their hands on it in, in that way and say like, I am this much of a fan that I own maybe all eight. I do not. I'm not that big a fan. <laughs> I own the only version that's still available on vinyl, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's why I think these things are going hand in hand and um, everyone's always wanted to show what a big fan they were. And it used to be, you know, putting your patch on your, on your jean jacket or on your backpack. Oh yeah. And now it's buying a vinyl record. Oh yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I remember too, uh, certainly it was, I'm trying to remember the exact dates, but it's somewhere around 1990, the 80s into the 90s, uh, when there were long boxes with CDs, as you guys were mentioning earlier. And uh, I worked in a Sam Goody record store for some time, and so I was well acquainted with the long boxes. And I remember there was an environmentalist backlash to the mm-hmm. overpackaging oh, yes. of CDs. And as an artist, I missed um, not having that large format artwork that came with, that was inherent in the long box. You know, you didn't have the vinyl record album, the 12 by 12 record album, but you at least had the long box that you could, you know, clip off the front of it and put it on your wall still. But there was that backlash. Is there any backlash now to um, the resurgence of vinyl, given the fact that, well, you got to make all that cardboard and then the paper insert that the album goes into itself and the little sleeve and whatnot. Is there any backlash along those lines? Certainly some. And the people who make vinyl, because in order to meet the demand of the Renaissance, there are, there are, there are more pressing plants opening every month in America than there have been in, in decades previous. Uh, and every one of those people knows that, uh, that, environmental considerations and regulations and just concern for what you're making and care about what your customers care about uh, matters now. Um, so uh, there's a lot of new pressing plants using regrind, which is old, which is old plastic made into new records, um, using recycled paperboard for their vinyl uh, sleeves and inserts. And also just, you know, tightening up on, on exhaust and reuse and reused water and things like that. Yes, vinyl is vinyl is a very resource intensive process. Making records is is still an industrial process, pretty much done the way it was done 75 years ago. Um, so all of the new new factories making records have those concerns at the front of their mind. And for us, the consumers, uh, Obviously, you know, we all love the idea of being surrounded by a library of our favorite music on vinyl, uh, but it's not going to live forever and we're not going to live forever. So um, uh, we just and we do make a point of this in our movie Vinyl Nation, but we all but 
we also say when we talk to people about this very topic, um, make provisions for your records after you're gone. Uh, and, and just while you're around, have a plan for what to do with uh, your records when they have outlived their time with you. Uh, just uh, uh, donate them to Goodwill, sell mm -hmm. them back to a record store, purchased used when you can. Uh, just responsibly keep uh, enter your records back into the bloodstream of vinyl uh, instead of sending them to a dump. Yeah. Well, also yeah. too, we we point this out in the film that you know vinyl itself is recyclable. Like when you watch the manufacturing of records, as we show you in the film, like not all the, the vinyl, you know, when it gets pressed. Uh, there's excess that comes off, off the edges that's called flash. All of that gets reground and turned into new PVC, well, not new, turned into recycled PVC pellets that then can be used to make additional records. Mm -hmm. So obviously people talk a lot about virgin vinyl, um, but there's a lot of regrind that gets mixed with virgin vinyl to go into records. Using a 100% regrind to make a record doesn't actually sound great. So that's not, that's why we don't do that. Um, uh, but a lot of times you're getting a mixture of recycled PVC and, and virgin PVC. Gotcha. Um, so that's a good thing. And like Kevin's saying, like uh, collections essentially get, now they get bought up and are resold in record stores, which is again, part of the fun of the hunt. But if you, for whatever reason, had a stack of records that nobody wanted anymore, you could recycle them very mm -hmm. literally. Yeah. Um, and so that's not exactly something you can do with CDs, <laughs> um, uh, but, but you can do it with records. Yeah. What's next? Uh, what's the next format that'll come along and what's next for vinyl? Uh, is there the possibility of maybe a resurgence in national chains selling them again? I mean, how does this all evolve from here? God, Bobby, you ask a really good question. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's amazing to look at, say, the book industry as a as a as a precursor of what is happening in the music industry. Yeah. Uh, independent bookstores are, you know, pandemic notwithstanding, and I don't mean to I don't mean to make light of what's happened the last year or so. But before the pandemic, there were thirty percent more independent bookstores in 2019 than there were in 2009. Hmm. Um, because independent bookstores had figured out that a lot of people walk into a bookstore and have no idea what they're looking for. And, uh, and a bookstore is good at fixing you up with a book and matchmaking your interests to what books are available much better than Amazon is. Um, and it's the reason the independent bookstore ecosystem has done okay over the last 10 years, whereas Barnes and Noble has not. Um, and I think the same is probably true with records. Uh, of course, the pandemic has been has been murderously hard for record stores, but most of the ones that are still around and the ones that have done okay have figured it out and have figured out that like people like having a relationship with their local record store that knows what they want, that knows what they will be interested in before that person even knows what they'll be interested in, musically speaking. <laughs> um, and I... There are plenty of national businesses, uh, your Targets, your Walmarts, your Urban Outfitters that have gotten in on the vinyl renaissance mm -hmm. and uh, Amazon too. And, if, and if, if your interests are served by buying records through those people, absolutely. Uh, it is our experience in talking to people, even the ones who are brand new to vinyl, that those that working with national, buying records from national change quickly outlives its usefulness. And pretty soon you want something that isn't just something that is played on the radio all the time. Right. Uh, and the person you're going to ask for that is the person at your local independent record stores. And, and thank God that 
we no longer live in a country or even a world where you have to live next to a huge metro area or near a, a university or something yeah. like that to have a good record store in town. Um, we, we were lucky. We've been lucky enough to make friends over the course of releasing Vinyl Nation digitally or virtually, I should say, that uh, there's a good record store any place that there's there's more than, say, 10,000 people living there, mm-hmm. um, which is which is just it, it's an amazing time to be to be into this way of listening to music. Well, I'd also say that the independent record stores connected to the bookstores, the kind of resurgence, you know, these are the types of places that make neighborhoods mm-hmm. great places to live like cool places to live i think and then attract people to to live in those places like we don't we don't explore that in our film i think there's a lot that could be said about that both good and bad (laughs) right Mm -hmm. um but by and large you know i think an independent record stores that really get that what they're doing is making connections with other people which Mm -hmm. is what we figured out in our film um have been successful. And those are the ones also who were able to make it through the pandemic relatively, I shouldn't say unscathed, but like made it through the pandemic okay because their customer base, A, wanted to support them and B, still wanted music. And especially when they were stuck at home, really wanted entertainment and records was a great source of entertainment for them. Sure. Um, so yeah, they just, record stores make great neighborhoods mm-hmm. um and and then people definitely want to tout that um or when when like when we travel uh you know people who are into records like the first thing they may want to do when they get to a city is like where's the record store i want to check out because they have a whole collection of records i haven't been able to flip through yet oh, yeah. and again that one record that i keep looking for <clears throat> might be in their racks and if i don't go i'll never know so um that's also another reason why it's just it's just a totally different experience than going to your Walmarts and Targets and Urban Outfitters. Those are great gateways into this, especially for young people. But like Kevin said, they they lose their usefulness after a while. They also have a very limited amount of records in their physical spaces, whereas your local record store will have potentially thousands sure. of records that you've never even heard of, but you need to. Yeah, yeah. One last thing. Um, I've been dying to ask you both about this. You know, in interviewing uh, vinyl enthusiasts, do you find any resentment, any sort of like, I told you so uh, attitude uh, because of the demise, the initial demise of vinyl, where, well, look, we tried to tell you this is a great format, and I don't know why you idiots in the record industry got rid of this format, because see, now it's back. See, <laughs> we were right all along. Is there any of that uh, kind of attitude uh, with this? I mean, people are fickle. We always want whatever's new, whatever's the latest thing, the latest technology, and we're too quick to throw away the old technology. And so with all of these people who are now buying record albums, is there any of that resentment where they're like, yeah, yeah, we tried to tell you guys. Some, I mean, we don't hear about it much, but over the course of promoting this movie and we have heard a little bit, you make a movie called Vinyl Nation and Mm -hmm. it's a thing that people have strong opinions about. Either (laughs) they have no opinion about it or they have really strong opinions about it. (laughs) And we have heard, you know, a half a dozen times from, from, you know, people who probably resemble like your 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 cranky, angry uncle at Thanksgiving or something like who are, who are like 
oh, it's really cool that you made this movie called Vinyl Nation. Is there a part where you talk about how stupid 17-year-old girls who are into records are and we're like, nah, afraid not. <laughs> like, like that is not what we're doing here. And, and, and Chris and I, over the course of making this movie, said to ourselves several times, uh, we are making a movie about an old thing that is coming back and more and different kinds of people are finding their way into it and having different relationships. Mm-hmm with vinyl records and that's awesome like we are not making a movie about a hobby that like that like angry misanthropic weirdos are into um and uh and we're like cool because we ain't angry misanthropic weirdos and we're not looking to be friends with angry misanthropic weirdos so like so but yes we have heard a little bit of that and i think like we sort of decided very early on in making Vinyl Nation that we were we were making a movie about like the post high fidelity post ghost world yeah. conception of vinyl that that vinyl was becoming vinyl was becoming a very sort of non hierarchical flat democratic way of interacting with music. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would say it's not it's not exactly in our movie it's touched on a little bit but i have heard from some people outside of the interviews that we've done that one of the biggest complaints that has come up uh, amongst people who have been longtime collectors is you know there was this golden period as the as the desire for records was on the decline it was very easy to find great records for not much money, right? Mm. For like a dollar or two, you could find great records because people were just getting rid of their record collections. So for hardcore lifelong collectors, um, this was great. Like this was amazing. Um, And then (laughs) when, and and I know people actually who got into records, well, Kevin started, got into records kind of the tail end of that, but I, I know I've met, I know people who got into records right at that moment in time, like that's their first introduction. Mm-hmm. And they thought this is amazing and nobody's in the record. So there was almost like a countercultural aspect to getting into records then. Mm-hmm. And when other people started to get into it, not only did it make it less cool to those people, it also pushed the prices up on those used records that used to be super cheap. So now the record that used to be a dollar or $2 was suddenly $5. It's $10. It's $20. Wow. And they're like, man, that record's not worth $20. You guys ruined this. And <laughs> I've heard that, but there's a much larger group of people that are like, wow, look at this, records, these are really cool. And, you know, there were certainly record store owners that fell into the high fidelity camp and were obnoxious about how they treated people who asked what they thought were stupid questions about records. And you then had other people come along and say, I don't want to be treated that way. And I know something about retail and I know something about records. I'm going to open my own record store and I'm going to sell new vinyl because you scoffed at me for asking for new vinyl. And guess what? <laughs> I'm going to eat your lunch. Uh, and, and that's essentially what happens. And those stores that were cranky and, and obnoxious, like even record collectors didn't want to go in there after they they finally got berated about asking what they thought was a smart question and the owner thought it was stupid. Yeah. So you're just not going to survive. And the same thing happened at record shows. Like if those people were acted that way, well, you're just going to walk away from that table and go to the other person who is going to treat you with respect. Um, and so now, again, it talks about in our film, like, like the Austin Record Convention is a great example of, you know, 
how welcoming this environment is. Like the, the record convention that we filmed at was the biggest one they had ever had. And this is something that started in 1981, Wow! <laughs> you know, and in 2019, they saw more people than they had ever seen before. And when we're truly out of this pandemic mess, I'm sure it's going to be even bigger. And it is across the board, longtime record collectors, along with people who have just discovered records like a month ago, and they heard, hey, there's a really neat record show in Austin. We should go check it out. Incredible. The documentary is called Vinyl Nation, vinylnationfilm.com. Don't forget, it'll be on Blu-ray and DVD on June 12. It's right around the corner. Uh, it's also Record Store Day, and that'll be exclusively in RSD stores. And uh, thank you guys, Chris, Kevin, thank you so much for your time today. Please go out and especially buy it in its physical form on record store day and pick up some records while you're there too uh thanks so much guys for your time today really really appreciate it uh, you're welcome bob thanks for having us this was great thanks yeah take- thanks so much bob thanks take it easy 